Welcome to A Love for the Bible, Series 6, Session 5. This is Dave Clark. During Series 6, Session 4, I began a discussion of letters of authors other than Paul, including Hebrews, James, 1 Peter, 1 John, and Revelation. I provided an introduction to these letters based upon the New Living Translation Study Bible by Tyndale. Today, I'll be sharing with Helen some ways we have personally been inspired or received insight from these letters. So, Helen, would you like to start us out with the book of Hebrews? Okay. So, Hebrews was written to Jewish Christians who had been through a lot of persecution, both by fellow Jews and also by Rome and under Nero. So, they were struggling, and some of them were thinking of going back to Judaism. And uh, it has a great deal of wonderful stuff, but I just have to pick out some things that I liked. I, uh, this is from chapters two through five, and it was actually five warnings to Christians. And I think because many of us have been Christians for a while, and we can be tempted in these ways. So I'll read the five warnings, and then I'll give you a few examples of where they're from. But the five warnings are, number one, don't drift away from the faith. Number two, don't harden your heart. And number three, don't have an unbelieving heart. And number four, don't fall short of God's rest. And number five, don't be slow to learn. So you can find all of those in Hebrews 2 through 5 as, as the writer asks that each, you know, each explains each one. But um, my, my, um, my verses are from the from the New International Version, just so you know. But for example, for don't be slow to learn, Hebrews 5.12 says, in fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truth of God's word all over again. And for don't drift away, Hebrews 2.1 says, we must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. So I think that's a a warning as we're learning about the Bible, we're learning our faith not to drift away by forgetting about things and during the week perhaps not not paying attention to God's word and just on Sundays. We can drift away that way. And we, we should not be slow to learn either. We should we should take it to heart what we learn about God and and do it. So those are the things I like about Hebrews. Right. And it's good for me to remember that this is not only to Hebrew Christians, but it's to us. These are practical things for us. Well, something that I uh, learned from Hebrews uh, comes from Hebrews 7, 
And it has to do with the role of Melchizedek, uh, who's spoken of throughout the Bible. And it's actually referred previously in Genesis 14 and also Psalm 110. But I like that in Hebrews, it kind of sums up the, the meaning of Melchizedek for us. So let me just start with Genesis 14 as a little background. And in Genesis 14, it says, Abram, whose name was later changed to Abraham, through battle had just recovered goods that had been taken from him and brought, and he also brought back his nephew Lot, who had been enslaved. And so now he meets two kings, the king of Sodom and also Melchizedek. And Melchizedek is described as the king of Salem, priest of God most high, who brought to Abraham bread and wine. And he said to Abraham in Genesis 14, 19 and 21, Blessed be Abram of God most high, creator of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, who has defeated your enemies for you. And then Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth of all the goods he had received. But now we hear about him again in Psalm 110. And David speaks of what to me is the Messiah in this psalm. And he says of him in Psalm 110.4, The Lord has taken a vow and will not break this vow. You, or the Messiah, are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. And finally, the author of Hebrews appears to put this all together, explaining how Jesus is this priest spoken of in Psalm 110 and related to the story in Genesis 14. He expresses this in Hebrews 7, 24 to 25. He says, but because Jesus lives forever, his priesthood lasts forever. Therefore, he is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. So, Helen, could you now tell us uh, something that you learned from James? Okay, James is a bit, it's also written to Jewish Christians, but... It was written earlier, and it also is um, a different kind of book, I think, in that I was considering it a practical and no-nonsense letter. And James gets right to the point and, and gives a lot of advice on what the Christian life should be. So one of the things I like is uh, in James 1.5, where he reminds us that God is ready to help us with our problems. And he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. So it's a good reminder for all of us, for me, and particularly to, if I have something I don't know what to do, that I can ask God. He may not tell me exactly what to do, but he has promised that he will give me the wisdom to, to figure out what to do or to handle it. And he not only he's not grudging about it. He wants to do this. He's generous. The other thing, um, James 1, 27, this is a very practical thing too. And it, it has to do with how we are maybe either in our families, also in our nation and internationally. But um, he says that religion that God our father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Very, very practical in our families. We have family members who are widows, um, people who are orphans, 
in our country and also in our world. These are the people that God wants us to be especially careful to look after and make sure they're doing okay. Yes, and uh, and what I picked out also relates to practicality. And this is profiting from trials. This is in James 1, 2. James says, when troubles come our way, to consider it great joy. And James, for me, has been a, a go-to letter when I'm facing a difficult situation. And he helps me not to have a pity party, but to see this as a way to demonstrate my love for God. Okay, so Helen, what have you sh to share about First Peter? First Peter was written by the Apostle Peter, and he wrote it to churches in Asia, which is kind of around Ephesus, at least that part of Asia that was around Ephesus, not, not Asia like we think of today. But um, I think this was really good for me. I think I've shared this before in the other podcast we had about your tongue and being careful with that. But he says in 1 Peter 3, verses 10 to 12, whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. He must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And another thing I enjoy about Peter is um, his advice to the Christians when they, they've been persecuted. And he tells them how to answer people who want to know, why are you a Christian? And we certainly want to take that same advice today. But he says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Yes, I, I really like First Peter. I like Peter because he's, I know that he was with Jesus and he was a key disciple of Jesus. So I really feel like he's an, an authority in knowing about what Jesus expects. So what I liked particularly was his, the word to husbands in First Peter 3. And I particularly appreciate his statement that your wife is an equal partner in God's gift of new life. And I particularly appreciate this as it relates to a habit of daily reading the Bible and praying with, with you. And I also recommend this habit with other married couples. I find that we are able in this way to support each other spiritually. And we also offer each other insights in, to help us to better understand what we're reading. So being married to you has helped me to grow in my faith, which I much appreciate. I would say the same for you. Uh, oh, thank you. <laughs> so uh, what what have you to share for First John? John is also an apostle, very, very, the, the apostle that Jesus loved. So First John was written um, quite late, and John had been a Christian for many years at that time. He's mellowed quite a bit, and and yet he is speaking to people who are um, in the church, but are perhaps drifting away some. Oops, I made a mistake on First Peter. First Peter wasn't writing to the churches around Ephesus. He was writing to Asia, different parts. It was John that was writing to churches around Ephesus. So sorry for that, for those of you that might have caught that. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, but John was writing to Christians who were, 
hearing a lot of other kinds of doctrines, new, quote, new Christianities. And so he comes pretty hard down on that. Um, some of them were denying that Jesus was the son of God and things. So he says in 1 John 2.22, who is the liar? He is the man who denies that Jesus is the Christ. And we have sects today that are denying that. So, um, you know, that's very, very direct. Um, he also has many things on how to love, the love of God to us and how that we should pass it on to each other. So 1 John 4, verses 7 and 8 says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Yes, and what I have to share relates to love as well. So I liked First uh, John 3.23, where John says, And this is his commandment. We must believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. And this to me is expressing our commandment in the new covenant way rather than the old covenant way of legalistic commandments to obey. John expresses that now faith in Christ is key towards obeying the commandments. Oh, so, also, yes, yes, go ahead. He also says, like, how, how do we love one another? What I liked was that um, there's another verse that says, um, we love because he first loved us. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. if you find it hard to love somebody, think about God's love for you first, mm -hmm. and then try to love the person. It's, it's easier that way. And uh -huh. try to muster it up yourself. And that's the way it's meant to be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that. Okay, let me uh, conclude with a, a thought about Revelation. Now, the lukewarm church is described in Revelation 3.15. And this... Uh, this statement applied to the church at Laodicea, which is, I know all the things you do that are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. And I particularly am concerned about my prayer life at times when, when I don't pray regularly enough as I should. And this verse is encouragement to me to enhance my habit of daily prayer. And I find that when I have good prayer in the morning, I am more likely to have a successful day. So thank you, Helen, for sharing with us today. And thank you to our listeners for joining me for Series 6, Session 5 of A Love for the Bible. Series 6, Session 6 will air beginning Tuesday, January 24th at 8 a.m.